Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Level Up Human. The comedy science podcast. Souping up the homo sapien. Welcome to Level Up Human, the show that looks at the human race and tries to figure out how to make it better. We're taking suggestions from our panel, our audience here at Imperial Festival, and the natural world to try and work out what the next stage of human evolution should be. In many ways, we can consider podcasts like this one to be the natural next stage in the evolution of radio. It's radio with a more highly developed swearing and libel muscle. I'm your host, Simon Watt, and today I'm joined by three mind-body interfaces in the form of our guest. So pitching ideas of what they would like to see in the next human, on my immediate right, we have got Michelle Rogers. Michelle is a postdoctoral researcher in the Department of Bioengineering. Her current research area is to construct electrochemical biosensors for clinical monitoring of brain injury in patients in the intensive care wards. That sounds heavy, Michelle. How did you get into this? Uh, Probably by chance. Um, Yeah, so I did an undergrad in genetics, and that got me interested in humans and specifically how we can help them through times of like disease and uh, illness. And then I did a PhD in bioengineering, which really uh, solidified my love of this collaboration between medicine, engineering, and science. Um, and I've stayed working uh, in this project for a few years now. Well, I think you're the perfect guest because you're obviously going to see the fragility of the human yes. mind. You can see places where perhaps we could be built a little bit better. We're joined also by James Rosendahl. James is a biodiversity theorist with a particular interest in ecological neutral theory. Um, you run the One Zoom project. Please tell us a little bit more about mm. that because it sounds terrific. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, this is a uh, website which we recently launched as a charity. And the idea is to produce what perhaps could be called the Google Earth of biology. So it's just one place where people can go and see all life on Earth and how it's related through evolution. So we were quite surprised to find that didn't exist yet in the form we wanted, so uh, we decided to put it together. It's basically condensed Attenborough, like somebody's got (laughs) David Attenborough and distilled him down into a computer program. That's what you're going for, isn't it? Uh, Pretty much, yeah, exactly. Perfect. Well, these two people, we can see their credentials. They will make good pitches for what should be in the next stage of human evolution. But judging them and deciding what motion will go forward, only one idea can go forward... Representing humanity, on my left we have science troubadour, Johnny Berliner. 
Uh, Johnny, first of all, explain why on earth science troubadours exist, and also then tell us what <laughs> kind of thing you might want to what kind of thing you might want to see in the next human. Okay, I guess science troubadours exist because I like science, and I like singing, and that's the only way I can do the two things I love together. There's not many of us, uh, so uh, so yes, we do exist, but we're very rare. Uh, like some uh, humans, possibly, if we don't get level-up humans. Um, you, were, you were a pioneer of geek pop. I am I a pioneer of geek pop. It's very easy to be a pioneer of something that you have invented. <laughs> well, that's a good way of doing it. Now, as I say, these people are going to make suggestions for you, but what kind of thing are you hoping to hear today? What would you like to see in the next human? Um, I, I'd like some more direct biofeedback, um, uh, sort of inbuilt into us. A bit like uh, the, the bit on the side of a Duracell battery where you can just you can touch it and you can see exactly how much uh, power it's got left. I'd quite like one for myself. Uh, you know, for instance, uh, how much time, how many drinks have I got left before I fall over? That sort, <laughs> that sort of thing. It'd be quite good to know when I'm going to pop my clogs um, with a, a handy button on my forehead. That would be, uh, I think that would be very useful. I love the interface you're suggesting here as well, that somebody has to come up and squeeze you to find out <laughs> how messed up you might be. Yeah, why not? Oh, perfect. It encourages human interaction at the same time. I love it. Well, before we delve into the, uh, the far future and try and decide what we should incorporate, each of our panel has brought along some news stories to try and show you the freaky and incredible science that is going on right now. Why don't we start with you, James? What news story have you brought across for us? Well, I found an article in, in Wired about some scientific research which looked to estimate the number of different microbial species there are on Earth. So I thought that was quite interesting, because if we're going to build the level up human, we want to know what is that menu of things out there that we can pick from. And actually, the answer is, anyone want to have a guess? No clues? Well, it's a million million. So they now think that there's a million million different species of microbe out there to choose from to incorporate into the genetic makeup of our level up human. So I think that's quite fascinating. That, that does raise an interesting question, I mean, because I hate thinking of it like us, but we humans, we are habitats. Like, there's already a myriad of bacteria and other creatures living on us. I suppose if we're going to try and clone humans and clone or, or change humans, we also have to change the things that live in and on us. Mm, yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And in fact, most of the cells in our body are not human. They are of these sort of microbes living around us as part of us. Somebody was telling me the other day that, because estimating how many microbes live in and on us changes massively, and a big cause in the variation is when we last went to the toilet. So if you have ejected some bacteria from your body forcibly, then your count is considerably lower than the rest of us. Okay, well, what about you, Michelle? What have you brought along with you? So I found a, a news article in Nature, uh, and it's the first human person to be reanimated so this guy was paralyzed from the shoulders down and what scientists have done is implant a small sensor in the in his brain in the area that controls movement and then they've used a machine interface connected to a sleeve on his arm so that he can control his arm without going through the spinal cord um, and this is one of the first examples of being able to do this which I find just fascinating that's pretty that's incredible amazing. How about yourself, Johnny, then? What have you brought along? Uh, well, I thought I'd use a bit of research that's come out of Imperial since we're here. And uh, they've recently been, um, done some uh, MRI scans on people having uh, been give, given them acid, LSD, uh, and found some very interesting stuff. 
Um, so I, 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 I thought it was quite relevant because we, we could be hacking consciousness uh, very soon. Surely on acid, any result is interesting. Is that not one of the things it does? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, Aldous Huxley, famously in The Doors of Perception, sort of saw infinite beauty in a fold in his trousers. So I think it is easy to be interested uh, in anything on acid, you're quite right. But um, it's interesting because different parts of the brain that don't normally communicate with each other, um, under the influence of acid, suddenly start to um, communicate with each other. And I think that's why um, it, it sort of uh, it led to, in the 60s, to such a sort of a cultural revolution um, of uh, more sort of interconnectedness and that kind of feeling of oneness that, uh, that uh, people on acid uh, say they feel with the universe. I think that'd be, if we could obviously uh, get that without giving someone a dangerous uh, uh, narcotic, it would be, it'd be quite good um, if we could uh, allow people to feel oneness with the universe. Uh, generally, I think. That, that does raise, it raises a very interesting question. I've actually genuinely wondered this, and I'd love to see what our audience thinks as well here, because it seems to be a bit of a, a human instinct, partly, that taking drugs is, is common. It's something that's been throughout our history, and it seems to be that there's at least a partial drive to it. We know that lots of animals do something similar. Should scientists give up on trying to stop people taking drugs and instead invent really, really good ones that don't do you any harm? <laughs> Like, is that an alternative take on this? I mean, why can't we get something which has basically got all the goodness of an apple and all the great feelings of something like LSD? Well, I think it's a very interesting question. I believe David Nutt, who's uh, uh, Imperial, has come up with some uh, hangoverless alcohol substitute. Um, how long till that's on the market? I think that'd be uh, interesting. Pro probably uh, very, very good for Britain as a whole and our binge drinking culture. Yeah, it would, uh, it would Not very up. good for Alka-Seltzer. <laughs> yes, a big, um, I don't even know what you call a big hangover. Like, that's a new type of industry, is it? Now, that's what's happening now. Let's take this into the future. What would our panel like to see? So why don't we start with you, Michelle? Tell us, what would you like to put into Human 2.0? So, in my research, I see a, a lot of people who have suffered from brain injury. Um, and I would like something in the human that will stop us getting brain injury. So, there's actually, this does happen in nature. Um, a woodpecker, for instance, hits its head against a tree, very hard tree, uh, 12,000 times a day, but doesn't get brain injury. Um, and the reason is, it's because it basically has a seat belt for the brain. Um, there's a small bone that humans have, it's called the hyoid bone. It sits above your Adam's apple and it's a U-shaped. It controls the tongue, uh, swallowing, movements, that kind of thing. But in the woodpecker, it has an amazing structure. It actually loops around over the head. And when the woodpecker hits the tree, its tongue flicks out and this tightens all the muscles around the brain and it literally holds it in place. It's like a little seatbelt for the brain. Uh, I think we should have one of those, although I would possibly be out of the job if we did. It also means there's going to be a cost to this, though. If you have to, mm. like, let's imagine everybody's on a roller coaster and now suddenly they've got their tongue out for all <laughs> those photographs. It's probably a worthwhile cost, though, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say it was a good trade-off. Do you have a dry tongue on a roller coaster? It would make those photos no that they take halfway through the roller coaster yeah. ride really funny, because everyone would have their tongue out. It'd be worth it, I yeah, think. I sure, think so. Surely for that alone, never mind the brain damage saving. That's a good mm. enough reason. What does, what does the hyoid bone do? Because I know in humans we use it for, for speech and things. Yes, yeah, so it's basically just, it sits uh, just 
in your neck and it's attached to the muscles of your tongue so you use it for talking for moving your tongue for things like swallowing it just it just um it sort of anchors all the muscles together uh, provides some support for them um so it doesn't really do that much although we're able to speak and eat um yeah except from speaking and eating not very much eating, at all but <laughs> But if yeah. it was a seatbelt as well, I guess. But if it was a seatbelt, yeah, it would be awesome. An extra function. Why, why is the brain so vulnerable? Like, I know it's obviously an organ that we find quite useful. I mean, mm. it's, it's 2% of our biomass, 20% of your uh, energy consumption, about that. Mm-hmm. Like, even no. if you're a bit thick, use up that much yeah. energy with your brain. <laughs> so, so why? What, what's, actually, I suppose I know that I have a brain, and that's what allows me to ask this question. <laughs> but what makes them both so special and so vulnerable? So the brain, um, although it is protected by your skull, um, it sits within a, uh, some fluid. Uh, it's called the cerebral spinal fluid, um, which means it kind of floats around in this, in this liquid substance. Um, so when you hit your head really badly, not just a little tap, but um, you, know, you fall over or you're in a car accident and you hit your head at a funny angle, the brain kind of just keeps its momentum and slams into the, into the skull. And then as you bruise, um, say you bruise your arm, you get a lump and you get um, sort of blood uh, uh, accumulating underneath. It creates a little pressure underneath your skin. With the skull, that actually is um, detrimental to the, to the brain tissue because it locks it in. There's, no, um, there's nowhere for the brain tissue to expand into. So it's, yeah, it's a big bruise under the brain that can't escape anywhere. So what would the advantage of this adaptation be over and above, say, wearing a cycle helmet everywhere you went? The cycle helmet, again, it doesn't really stop the brain itself moving within the skull, which is what the woodpecker has. It has a little seatbelt for the brain itself. In fact, it doesn't have so much fluid in its brain either. Um, So it, it stays quite still in the motion. So it's not slamming against the side of the skull. A dry brain. Actually, because I've got another question for this, because it's one of those things I've, I've often wondered. I know uh, trepanning is one of those bizarre, <laughs> bizarre things that we know happened all the way back into yeah. our history. Um, we found skulls with even bits of healed skull mm. all the way from the Neolithic times. Mm-hmm. Would, does trepanning work like this? Why don't we just have a little handy air vent in our brains <laughs> instead, or in our skulls? One, one of the treatments for brain injury is to remove sections of the skull to allow the tissue to swell underneath um, and to give it some time to, to rest and recuperate um, until it, it's, it's gone back to its normal size and you can put the skull back on. So before um, our listeners go all preemptive yeah. and get a drill, tell us why they shouldn't do uh, that. Yeah, not to be done at home. <laughs> um, why shouldn't you walk around with a hole in your head? Um, <laughs> Don't treat it like it's an obvious question. Um, there are people who've done it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you, you obviously all know the answer, but I want to hear it actually. Hey, why shouldn't you actually? Uh, risk of infection is a big one. Uh, anything could fly in there. Um, and yeah, cleaning it would be quite difficult, I guess, from that point of view. Um, also, you had the brain is very protected against even the rest of your body. So there's a blood-brain barrier um, that allows that stops your blood that circulates through your body going into the brain tissue itself. It's it's kept very clean. Um, uh, it's very secure area. Um, so you wouldn't want everything from the outside getting in. Okay, so you've got. Um, I'll now not drill a hole in my head. Mm, agreed. Good. Um, <laughs> but. We know that children and babies have got something kind of similar. They've effectively got 
uh, the plates are not attached yet, so mm -hmm. there is still wiggle room, mm. so to speak. Mm -hmm. Could something like that work instead? It could, but if you did hit your head and it was very, very soft, then your brain would still be injured. Uh, that's why you have to be very careful with babies' heads because uh, just any small knocks would be quite damaging because their skulls aren't developed enough okay. to withstand little knocks. So everybody at home, don't drill holes in your head and don't experiment on babies. You've heard it here first. Um, all right, so it does sound like woodpecker is the only way forward. Johnny, what do you reckon? Is this on your short list? Oh, well, I, think it would, I think it would have to be, because uh, brain injury isn't fun. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And, um, and it, it, it seems like um, a very sensible suggestion. You know, <laughs> if you're going to improve the human, why not have better protection for mm -hmm. your brain? Mm -hmm. Okay, we'll very go. Very sensible. Phil Woody Woodpecker, if I get the chance. We'll come back to this later. <laughs> James, it's your chance. Try and beat that. What do you think? What is your suggestion for the next stage in our evolution? Well, I've been looking at a flight, which I think has come up quite a lot, actually, in uh, previous audience suggestions. But I'm not going to talk about the actual process of flight. Let's just assume we've all got giant bat wings or something already. I'm going to talk about the special sensors that we would need to orientate ourselves, navigate, and not smash into things, which I think would probably be quite useful anyway. Surely mm. we could just get in a plane which has all the right dials and meters. Well, the, the planes do have all the right dials and meters, but what I would like is for us to just know in our heads what those dials When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. ...would tell us if we were sitting in a plane. And actually, all of that does exist in the natural world. So, for instance, uh, three of the main dials on a plane are connected to gyroscopes. So these are spinning disks that tell the pilot of the aircraft what orientation it is, whether it's rolling to one side, what angle it's at. And actually, a fly has this. A fly has a tiny little things called halters uh, on its front, and they waggle up and down like wings, and they perform the same function as a gyroscope in an aircraft. So I think uh, one of the sensors we should have would be to have some of these halters. Okay, they must be really important, because I know that 
they've actually evolved from other wings. So if you look at things like dragonflies, they've got four wings, and in most of the diptera, those flies, they've got smaller and smaller until they become these little gyroscopes that you're talking about. Yeah, so they, absolutely. they must be important. Absolutely, and that's, it's thought that that's what helps flies to do these crazy aerobatics that we see them doing without getting disorientated. I mean, if we were to try and do that, we would just get dizzy and keel over, but a fly has no problem. I'll be perfectly honest, I've never looked at a fly and thought, wow, that's an acrobat. <laughs> <laughs> I've looked and thought, wow, it's annoying. You probably wish it didn't have those halteres, right? Yeah, actually, so it would be much, much easier to catch. Can flies fly upside down? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure, actually, to be honest. Uh, I imagine they probably can. I, do you know, I, I'm going to have to... I know a dipterist, and I'm going to... A dipterist person somebody who studies flies. I'm going to have to go and ask her. I, I don't think so. I think flight upside down is relatively rare in general. I think uh, they've got a couple of hummingbirds that can do it. Mm. And bats, well, they fall until they're flying upright. Mm. <laughs> I don't know can, why you'd have a backstroke in the air. They can certainly land on the ceiling, so that involves a degree of flying upside down. That's true, but if you throw anything hard enough at the ceiling, it's kind of landing on the ceiling as well. <laughs> If anybody's ever had a very interesting and enthusiastic Pancake Tuesday, you'll know exactly what I mean there. So what else would you like to see? Well, apart from the gyroscope, another really important thing is knowing what direction you're facing. So that's the compass. And actually, a lot of animals have this, and even some bacteria have this sense of magnetism, which we humans don't have. So we could get it from uh, many different birds. Homing pigeons have it. But I'm going to advocate, for argument's sake, that we get this sense from sharks because they have really cool uh, magnet-sensing organs. There's a thing in common with all these species, I guess, which is that they truly live in a proper 3D world. Like, mm. we humans, if you think of it, we're always walking along on a plane. Uh, if anyone's ever gone skydiving or scuba, scuba diving, it's incredible, because it's our only mm. time ever in a truly 3D environment. Yeah. So you're adapting us for these different environments, and maybe even for space, I might say. Well, yeah. space, or, or deep-sea diving, indeed. Um, by the way, we've had a, an edit from Rachel, our producer. She's brought me this message saying, according to the Science Museum in Minnesota, flies cannot fly upside down. Well. They can, however, land upside down by doing a quick pitch-up. Oh, this, sorry, this is not from Rachel. Rachel's just given up. It's from a person in the audience. You, you Googled this, so it was cheating. I'm not going to come to you for knowledge. <laughs> This man has done excellent research. I thank you very much. Please give him a big round of applause. He's just leveled up his brain. That's all. Well, um, I have to ask then, what do you reckon to James's suggestion, Johnny? Is this going to make it up to the Well, shortest? I mean, the question really is, does our leveled up human, are they already going to fly? Ooh. Well, it's not just about um, flying. I mean, we can navigate better with these uh, sensors anyway, That's even true. on land. That's true. I mean, I would like that. I, I would like uh, to sense the Earth's magnetic field. But I can't help but feel that a small compass is not that difficult thing to come by. It's not too cumbersome. Um, so, and, and you know, I've, I, can, I can set my phone to, to be one if I want. to get, get an app for that. So I, I, I'm not sure it's going to make it to the shortlist. If I'm honest. Sorry, James, bad news. You've been beaten by Apple. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> well, okay. Audience here at Imperial Festival, I reckon you can do better. Uh, panel, what caught your eye from audience suggestions? Let me start with you, Johnny. Um, well, I quite like this one from Sarah Osborne. Is um, Sarah Osborne here, then? Because we'd rather use your voice, if we could, than Johnny's, much as it oh, is wonderful. Is. 
To integrate alloys into the skeleton of humans. To in, well, can, you, can you tell us, please, what that actually means? What do you mean by adding alloys to humans? We're not so, just getting oiled up, are we? <laughs> so instead of having just calcium deposit in your bones, also have metals as well, so you can withstand better pressures, so you could explore space or deep sea oceans as well. Why did this capture your attention so much, Johnny? Uh, because I really, really like Wolverine from X-Men, and he's got an adamantium <laughs> skeleton, no, which is an imaginary alloy with yeah, a stupid name. I was about to say, that's the bit you're ignoring there, isn't yeah. it, really? Do you know, one of the things, I've, I've had a baby recently, and they get to a stage that their first ever poos, this is more gross than you want to know, so a baby's first poo is black tar-like sort of tapignad substance called muconium. And I was always getting that mixed up with adamantium. My, my wife would come in and I'd say, oh, look, he's done one of those adamantium poos. I kept wondering. And Wolverine would have been a very different movie. if uh, <laughs> it, really, it really would have been. The, the only problem with that is the, the reason it works for Wolverine is because he can, he's got this like unbelievably quick healing power. So if you had a, a, a super tough alloy skeleton, yes, you could slam into a brick wall, uh, but your soft tissue damage would be horrendous. Your skeleton would fall <laughs> apart, but it'd be very painful. So thank you very much, Sarah. Give her a big round of applause, please. <laughs> what grabbed you guys? So this one is from Paulo Redondo. She uh, wanted to modify DNA to avoid common diseases. So I took this to be um, having very quick replicating DNA to be able to overcome any diseases, a bit like bacteria um, and antibiotic resistance, which I thought was really cool if we could get over these common diseases that we have that affect everybody um, and we could do it ourselves rather than relying on the drugs. Why, why do you say quick? Like, why is the speed at which replication happens important? So when a bacteria um, develops an antibiotic resistance, it replicates very, very quickly. So a large number of cells very quickly um, become resistant. So to be able to do that um, would be beneficial in a, a complex environment to be able to quickly overcome things rather than slowly. I mean, our immune system, it takes several days for the first response and then up to a week before we fully develop our immune system. In that time, if we could speed that up, um, we could avoid a lot more common diseases and spread that resistance much more quickly. Is, I, I heard some research where people were trying to develop drugs using a kind of evolutionary mechanism like this. Because something which evolves faster, because they replicate faster than bacteria, mm. is viruses. Yes, they do. So people are trying to find what kind of viruses. Yep, you can, uh, there's work where you can use that part of a virus, but you can splice in extra, extra parts of DNA that give you the benefit of resistance or anything, um, any advantage. And you can use the speed of which the virus can get into other organisms and replicate um, to be able to get fast therapeutics. Would we be? Uh, would we end up in some kind of like evolutionary arms race <laughs> where we can evolve really quickly to beat the disease, but then diseases evolve really quickly? Yeah. And, Catch uh, twenty-two. Yeah. It, it, Maybe it could spiral <laughs> out of control very quickly. That's, That's a happy jolly. note. Yeah. yeah does, uh, <laughs> what do you think, then, Johnny? Is that on the list? Um, uh, do you know what? I mean, I, anything that, that curbs disease has got to be on the list. That's, that's a good thing. I don't, I don't like being diseased, so, uh, so I'll, I'll put it on. Anything, uh, <laughs> anything you see, James? Anything catch your eye? Yeah, there's quite a few interesting ones here actually relating to food. 
so I'd like to read out the one from Martin. Is Martin here? Let's just hand him. Oh, yeah. Perhaps you'd you'd like to tell us what your idea is. Yeah, an eating for pleasure only mouth that is not connected to the digestive tract. So you could indulge free of guilt and killer jewels. Um, yeah, so I thought, I mean, obesity is uh, on the rise in many parts of the world, although I have to acknowledge that it's probably environmentally unsustainable and uh, ethically unjustifiable. But um, apart from that, you know. Yeah. I, I think that's probably true, but I think it's nevertheless really interesting to, to talk about it. Uh, so, I mean, the, the first thing I have to say is that there isn't really an eating for pleasure mouth out there in nature because generally animals eat to survive. And so there isn't an analogue there. But the thought occurred to me that we shouldn't have two mouths. We shouldn't have an eating one and an eating for pleasure one. We should, that would look a bit weird. So we should keep the existing mouth. That becomes the eating for pleasure mouth. But then where do we get our energy from? And I thought I'd, I'd tie this into a couple of previous suggestions. Somebody wanted a, a single pill which gave them food for the whole day. And another person wanted to be able to make our own food so we didn't have to eat at all. So uh, that can actually be done. So there are some uh, animals, and corals are one example, also some mollusks and also jellyfish. And yeah. they have living uh, just under their, their surface these tiny microorganisms called zoanthellae, which actually photosynthesize and give energy directly to the animal. So I think the level up human could have that, which means that we essentially don't, don't need to eat. We can just eat for pleasure, but we don't need to. And that could also be good for solving hunger. Uh, which is a big problem in some places. So level up human not needing to eat apart from for pleasure. I know that there's another example, like lots of types of mollusks, as you're suggesting, and the, um, the cephalopods, the squids and things in particular. A great many kinds of them have got taste buds all over their body. So why, why not just do that instead? So don't bother about having a second mouth. You could dive head first into the buffet, <laughs> swimming in the soup. Just gravy all over your face <laughs> and chest, rubbing it into your calves. Think about it. You'd have to be very careful when you sit down, though, wouldn't you? Oh, but all of them want to accidentally taste <laughs> some stuff. Well, that's a good point. If you went in, like, southwestern trains, then yeah, you're testing... Travelling on the tube. You're testing whoever was there beforehand. You're yeah. testing them. Oh. Yeah. Okay, so in that case, is the eating for pleasure only mouth, is it in, Johnny? Is that in the shortlist? Yeah, I love cake. <laughs> you know who you're talking to. Please give him a big round of applause. <laughs> okay, that's suggestions from our audience here at Imperial Festival. We've got one final suggestion, which I'm bringing to you from Mother Nature herself. If we look at the animal kingdom, we can see all sorts of creatures that we might want to steal genes from. So today, Johnny, I'm giving you this one. It is an aphid. Now, uh, can you describe this to the listeners at home, Johnny? What does this look like? It's green. It has, it, I presume, six legs, it's, although it's got lots of other little bits poking out of it. Uh, it's, it's definitely some kind of insect-y thing. I well, mean, look at its rear end. That's the important bit. What do you see the back there? <laughs> which side? Which end is the back? Huh? <laughs> I see a young aphid being born. You see a young aphid being born, spot on. But the reason I'm showing you this is a wonderful feature of, of the aphids, of the green fly. They have what we call telescopic generations. So this one is giving birth, and that one it's giving birth to is already pregnant. It means that they can populate your rose bushes super quick. Would you like to steal this, Johnny? You could be instant grandfather. <laughs> instant grandfather. The problem is, right, 
you have to be grandfather at the same time as being father. And I think that seems like quite a lot of work. <laughs> it is indeed. Okay, and um, a lot of responsibility. Yeah, I don't know if I'm ready for this, actually. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, mean the, can you imagine? Do you think the aphids look at their babies and think they grow up so fast? <laughs> like, things like that, you when people get worried about things like young pregnancies and whatnot. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's seriously young pregnancy. They're, they're partly able to do this because these are clones. Like, that's the thing which is important. All, all these aphids, they reproduce asexually, so they're identical. So it's not just actually like giving okay, birth. Okay, so you're giving birth to your brother. Or to your sister. You don't really have a brother or a sister. Giving birth to yourself, and then yourself again. So why not? Let's be narcissistic, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if I could give birth to myself, that's a whole different thing. (laughs) That changes the story. (laughs) If you could give birth to yourself, you would have instant family band. That is what you'd go for. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't just be a science songwriter. I would be my own science band. And you could could also... Because you're giving birth to a young one of you, you could self-harmonise. You'd have instant unit... Backing you vocals do. whilst giving birth <laughs> in three-part harmony. Having, having watched my wife giving birth, I don't think backing vocals are the word for what she was doing. <laughs> it was it was kind I of. Don't know, James sure. Brown kind of gets the kind of a scream thing going. That's awesome. Oh yeah, it was. It yeah, was I, I suspect that. it was slightly different to your wife in labour day. Oh, she, well, she herself she describes it a bit like a mooing wildebeest, which is <laughs> okay. I don't describe James harsher. Brown like a mooing wildebeest, so. It was, it was truly incredible. I don't, yeah. know if, I don't think there was any harmony, though. So. Okay. Okay, well, is, is that going forward, then? Uh, only if I can sing with myself in three-part harmony, as a result. Yeah. Okay. Why not? If we're allowing that, then yes, it's in. <laughs> okay, Johnny, then you've made your life hard, because you've got a lot to choose from oh, here. Oh, dear. So, um, you have Michelle's idea for avoiding brain injury with a kind of woodpecker seatbelt. We had Sarah's idea of alloys to add to your skeleton and go full Wolverine. Did you want that one or not? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah. Um, we go now have Wolverine. incredible giving birth to your grandchildren. And we have the eating for pleasure only mouth. Which of those do you want to take forward? We can only take one idea back to our boffins. I have to say, I, it was sold so well. I'm going to take forward the, uh, the brain seatbelt. Um, because it just seems so sensible, <laughs> especially if we're flying, and we d- um, yeah. and we don't have James's uh, 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 gyroscopes. We could fly into something. We're going to need some good brain protection. <laughs> All right, then, ladies and gents, you heard it here first. We're going to take that suggestion. We'll go and try and slice it into our genome neatly between the chromosome here and there. Um, we, before we go, though, I'd love you to give a warm round of applause to our wonderful guests. We've had Michelle Rogers, there's been James Rosendahl, we've had Johnny Berliner, but also the amazing audience here at Imperial Festival. I've been Simon Watt. I hope you've enjoyed Level Up Human. That was Level Up Human, hosted by Simon Watt, produced by Rachel Wheely, and supported by the Wellcome Trust. For more information, go to levelupyoumen.com.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.